By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. This week's movie is The Lovebirds, um, which is a 2020 Netflix film. Around this point in Corona Movie Club, we realized that it wasn't really logical to uh, make a whole schedule that went stretched months in advance um, that was designed for people to be able to participate from all over the world remotely via Zoom. Um, because Netflix, the, the very model of Netflix is that it changes its content all the time and um, because of licensing agreements and things like that, it's difficult to sort of standardize what's available across uh, borders and across timelines and all that kind of thing. So around this time, we started to sort of really concentrate on new releases that were made for Netflix or purchased on Netflix that are exclusive. Um, so because that's that way, we know that it's going to be there. Um, it's probably going to stay and it's definitely going to be available in all of the different markets. Um, so this is one of a first of a slew of those kind of films. Um, it's a 2020 rom-com uh, directed by Mark Michael Showalter. Michael Showalter, um, and most excitingly, this screenplay is by Aaron Abrams and Brendan Gall, who are uh, Canadian guys. Brendan Gall, especially, uh, has his roots in Toronto theater, so that's really exciting to have them um, as the writers of this. It's so exciting for them. Um, the film stars Issa Rae and Kamel Nanjiani, which it was a really big deal. A lot of people responded really positively to the fact that this is a very rare film that has that's about a mixed race couple without any white people in it. Um, well, there are white people in the film, but they're not in the couple. Um, and that's a really notable thing. It doesn't happen enough in cinema. So that's sort of one of the things this film is known for. Um, yeah, it's just a lovely, nice movie. So enjoy our discussion. <laughs> you can say anything that you want about the movie. I was just excited about how, like on a on a day like today where you're just doing everything at once, it was nice to have something nice and easy and enjoyable. Agreed. Today has been such a part of my language shitty day, and I was like, maybe I'll just watch whatever this movie is, and it was lovely and. A lovely end cap to a bad day. Well, first, I'm sorry about your Murphy's Law day. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 one that at least you get a nice laugh out of. So I've actually first watched it a couple months ago, 
right when Corona started and I needed something easy and lighthearted to get me through that craziness. And it's as true then as it is now, it's just good to get you through a bad mood or a bad day. Well, it's funny because it was one of the movies. It was like this one and her other rom-com, or not rom-com, actually. I think it was a romantic drama that was coming out in February. Photograph with... Yes, and I kept seeing ads on it, like, when I go to the subway, and I'm like, oh, I can't, I'll see those on five, six dollar Tuesdays, you know, because that'll be a thing, and then the virus hit, and then they have to pull it out of theaters onto Netflix, and it's like, oh, yeah, six dollar Tuesdays aren't going to be a thing, because that'd be if AMC still survived, so it was nice to be able to enjoy it from the comfort of my home with that looming presence over me. I did get to see the photograph in theaters. It was, I've only seen like 10 movies this whole year, but photograph is one of the ones I got to see in theaters before it all went away. Um, Cause look, it's a very high priority in my life. And I went straight to the theater when the movie came out. Um, Steve, what'd you think? You probably thought it was fine. No, it was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, this shouldn't be a shocker. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> the looks of shock on everyone's face, though. Uh, it was really, it was really good. It was really well put together. That editing was great. Uh, the 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 couple were was had like the best chemistry. They were the best together. Um, Can I just say how nice it is to see a uh, a mixed race couple that yes. doesn't have yes. a white person in it? It was yeah. yes. ah, beautiful. <laughs> I, that's actually what made us watch the movie at first, was because we went, thank God there's diversity in this cast, at least a little bit. There's I no mean, diversity in the supporting cast, but yeah. Correct. <laughs> that's why I had to say a little bit. Is because well, there's no diversity in the supporting cast at all. Well, because they're all the, but they're all the crazy people, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is, true. and it's it's written. It's interestingly written by two straight white male, males, men, <laughs> two straight white men, and directed by a straight. Well, I don't know if Michael Showalter is straight, but he's definitely a white male. Um, so that's kind of an interesting, um, because it was not. I was sort of watching for this because there's sometimes you see movies that are um like cast with minority leads and it was like it was written just sort of generically and then they specifically made a point of casting but this was actually in the writing like the actual characters themselves were people of color which I think is better than just blindly casting and just like sort of putting it in and then not acknowledging their like life um but it's so it's interesting that it did come from straight white men which is why I because I I vaguely know the writers because they're Toronto theater guys or one's a Toronto theater guy one's a Toronto film guy and they're just around and so I like had heard about this movie coming out um so it was sort of like a weird like oh that's their movie (laughs) okay I guess good for them I feel like a lot of the dialogue was possibly ad-lib like of course there's a structure going on and there's like points that they hit but I think a lot of it is just a lot of ad-libbing in there and I think they were a big part of making this film work. They must have been, yeah. It yeah. definitely felt like conversational and that they must have had some say over their characters because I just have a hard time believing that <laughs> that could have just been written by someone totally out. Or, or it's just like, here's, here's the pitch line. Uh, what do you guys think? That sort of thing, right? It was funny just that like, 
the first idea of like, oh, we should go to the police. is like, no, we're not going to go to the police because of X, Y, Z. And I was like, yes, of course you would think like that. And it was like nice to see that played out. And then when in the end, <laughs> it ends up not even like they, they could have gone to the police, but like either way, that wouldn't have been anyone's first thought. That was, right. I had to pause the movie and just laugh for like a solid five minutes because <laughs> right. it was definitely like a lovely yeah, but I think it was really important that they mm -hmm. cast the police detective as a black woman because mm -hmm. like, I also still think if she hadn't been there, it still probably wouldn't have been good for them to go to the police. But like right. because of who was leading the the investigation, um, that also was like a key detail there. I think, um, yeah. And it's just funny that they had like they had like an overhead camera that saw the whole thing. Like that's like, <laughs> guys, there's cameras everywhere. <laughs> Can I just also say, just, I, I went to New Orleans once, and it was just so lovely seeing the city, and, like, it was, like, in little aspects of, like, there was actually the bench they sit on when they're, like, talking about, like, we can't, like, we didn't murder him, that's a cute dog, it was, like, I sat on, like, those benches, and I, like, I went up and down that walkway, and it's just a really nice aspect of New Orleans without being, like, I don't remember that one plaza, but, like, that one church everyone knows, or, like, I don't know, Cafe yes, Dumont or something, yeah. Jackson Square. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I come from the other aspect of that, where I think Kelly knows, and I'm pretty sure everyone on the planet knows, my entire family's from New Orleans. <laughs> so for me, it was neat to see from the perspective of, thank God they're showing the city for what it has to offer beyond Cafe Du Monde <laughs> and St. Louis Cathedral and Jackson Square. Like, thank God they're not showing Bourbon Street. Um, and I liked that they added in some of the kookiness. Like, New Orleans is absolutely the place what, that would have this batshit crazy, like, you know, random mask party. Oh, that <laughs> felt like DC to me. But yeah. Sure. I mean, it definitely was a little DC, but it's definitely weird enough that New Orleans would have something like that. <laughs> they would. I'm convinced it's somewhere. Well, that's like eyes wide shot type of thing. Yeah. 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 One of the things I appreciated about the New Orleans setting was that like it did have a lot of, I mean, I've never been to New Orleans, but like the little things that I do know about New Orleans is that it had those little details, like at the dinner party, they had the right cake and things like that, that were little details, but weren't like the cliche of New Orleans, like what you're talking about. It had nothing to do with like Katrina or whatever. Like it was just, it. they could have picked any city in the country they happened to pick New Orleans and then they made it specifically in New Orleans without being about New Orleans. Like right. they got it right. The, they, the, they didn't generify the city that they were, that they chose, but they could have chosen any city because it wasn't really a part of the story. So there was, right. I, I kind of liked mm -hmm. that. And it's basically like movies like that tend to just default to being in New York. And I like the idea of taking that and just, you can do them anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to right. be New York. And so that was kind of a nice detail, especially because it was written by Canadians, which is kind of weird. Very true. I'm sorry, New York is the only city that matters. <laughs> I... I hate New York. Specifically <laughs> because people say things like that about it. And I'm just like, oh, why? <laughs> why? I, I have no jokes anymore. Quarantine has run me dry, but <laughs> insert generic why New York City is the best city in the world joke here. Mm. Yeah. Um, New says gumbo. True. I think what I really liked about this film is that it felt like a comedic routine. Like, 
a stand-up comedic routine. Like it felt like they were just, they were telling a story and then they had all these little jokes happening in between. I mean, that's what comedy movies should be. <laughs> but um, I just felt like that was the feeling I was getting because a lot of the dialogue is just, you know, kind of pointless and, but it's hilarious. Like that's what we came for. That's what we wanted. Um, and that's what and it got. had a, and it had like a punchline at the end. Of, oh yeah. It was on traffic cameras. Yeah, and yeah, tons of setups just like that. Like even the orgy, like they talked about that early on mm -hmm. in their relationship and then they actually experienced one or they're right there. And then like the, the three, two, one thing that happened a few times, like that was a big punchline at the very end. It was really well structured yeah. in like yeah. a really classic structure way. Yeah. I really liked the Amazing Race part too. How I <laughs> yes. That was the part the where I actually was like, oh, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Someone oh. would die. No, I would be so. There's lots of reality shows I'd be bad at, but the biggest one is amazing. <laughs> like, that'd be the one I'd be the worst at. <laughs> oh, I'd be like awful at it. Yeah, and that's a great example of what they did. Is like they put in great uh, uh, race, and so there's like that that punchline. But then they go further and they'd be like, okay, but here's the horses. So it's like they just keep milking every joke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm sitting there going, mm -hmm. bring it on, y'all. I like that a lot. I will say, looking back at, like, the fact that, like, of course, we're not going to, like, arrest you, like, your witnesses. Um, the entire movie, I'm like, did you just call another lift from your phone? <laughs> did you just use another credit card? Like, how are they not hunting your asses down? And so when the reveal came, I was like, okay, like, I, I get it. Like, they're probably tracking, if they can, they're probably tracking them through that. But it's like, how many lifts are you going to call? That's true. Oh. That would have been annoying if they were genuinely trying to get away. Um, mm -hmm. Why? Like any any movie that's sort of propelled on the back of someone being bad at their job always frustrates me. And so, if this movie was dependent on like the detectives always being one step behind them, that would have frustrated me. But because it turned out that they actually weren't being hunted, all of those yeah. moments where you're like, they should be caught by now, <laughs> were fine. Um, it had, it was interesting until that twist at the end where it turned out like they were fine. Um, there, it had a very parallel structure to, did anyone see Queen and Slim last year? So Queen and Slim is a really similar thing where, but it's sort of reversed. Like they just went on their first date and then this thing happened and their sort of fates are tied together mm -hmm. as opposed to the end of a relationship, but they go on their first date and then like, you know, spoiler alert but it's in this first scene they kill a guy somehow i don't remember how exactly what happens but there's like a run-in with the cops or something and then and someone gets murdered and so then they go on the run together and it's like a similar kind of structure where they have like these people who have their own sort of they're not really in a relationship they weren't really gonna see each other again after this first date <laughs> who are now sort of like on the run from the cops because also specifically like they would be targeted by the cops and so it, it was an interesting thing because that's a, that's a tragedy movie and this is a comedy movie to see sort of how the beats diverged with a really similar premise. Um, it's also great, like I, when you were saying that, I was realizing that like, a lot of comedy movies nowadays are usually like two detective guys and they're just, and, and they're always bad. Like it's always just a bad comedy movie. Um, but that they did that same movie, but these per people weren't detectives. They were everyday people trying to be detectives, which only adds, would only add to the comedy. 
And one of the things that I think elevated it a little bit for me on especially understanding kind of to both points, both Bree's earlier point about um, needing to have that in there that of course, Leilani's first thought is not to go to the police and kind of going to Vargo's point um, about they could have just made it to, to actual detectives. Um, it's kind of interesting to me to remember New Orleans was one of the most corrupt police forces for decades, <laughs> like a very, very long time. It was the most poli corrupt police force in the United States. So that added a layer of, at least to me who kind of knew that background, added more reality to the situation of, well, of course they're not gonna go to the police. It was like incredible public corruption up until about five years ago. So for me- And, and the bad guy was apparently one of the police. Yeah. So it would have been a bad choice anyway. That was the twist that I was like, not expecting, but when they were in their car getting away, and it was like, I feel like they haven't shown the driver yet. This is shifty. But then when it was revealed, I was like, oh, this is this is lovely. Because if they had gone to the police, they could have gotten shot immediately. And they would have been accurate. But, that's maybe, that's yeah. maybe the one unplausible thing is that they got into the car with this guy and no other officer, like, noticed this. Like, that's maybe the one well, unplausible thing. Well, because he was but, police, right? And they were like... like but that's... they know who the guy is from the tape? Well, no, like, he I, said I don't know. police. Yeah. Yeah. He was, what is like, it looks like Bigfoot on the camera or something. Right, right, right. I only like literally just saw it, which is why I'm like, I know the exact yeah. line, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said so, it was fuzzy or grainy or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think the idea was that like he, he took the assignment to drive them home. Yeah. So they, the police force knew they were in the car with him, but they didn't know he was the bad guy because they knew there was a bad guy, but they didn't, who wasn't them, but he didn't, they didn't recognize yeah. him, I guess. And they just didn't look at their driver when they got in the car. I guess, yeah. yeah. Which, but like, yeah. I guess that's kind of a little relatable. Like, people do that all the yeah. time. They just get in like an Uber or something, especially if it's a police escort. You're just like, you're kind of blind. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that I found funny is like the first. I had a little trouble with the with the very. I guess it was like an adrenaline thing, but like at the very beginning when he jumps in the car and he's like, "I'm a police officer," I'm like, "No, he's not." He's like, <laughs> first, like. That's a that's a scene. Even if you just know things from TV, like I've never encountered a police officer, but like the like in in the movies and things, they show their badge and there's yeah. two of them. And in a million years, they would never take the civilians with them and yeah. say, "Get in the back seat, I'm driving." <laughs> they would kick them out of the car. So it was this thing. I was just like, mm, "Guys, come on, come on." That was the one where I was like, "Guys, no, no, no." Yeah, it was like, oh, go ahead, Bree. I was gonna be like, stop egging him on. Stop. What are you guys doing? He saw. He showed no badge. Like, what? Whatever. Also, the blind. The blind assumption that because a police officer tells you someone's a bad guy, they're a bad guy. I found that very interesting. Yeah. yeah. In 2020, from two people yeah. of color, I was just like, um, <laughs> no. About yeah. that, this, like poor guy on a bicycle. I don't know. <laughs> Whose name only remains bicycle throughout. I did the like that mustache yeah. and bicycle. I yeah. like that the bad guy's name is Mustache because it just reminds me of like twirling your mustache in a villainous way. Well, you can't trust people with mustaches. No, you can't. No, no, no. Yeah. At all, not even a little bit. <laughs> also, poor frat boy who like, <laughs> all the names she gave him were so great. There was, what was it? Like Young Brett Kavanaugh. There was 
I don't even remember, but everyone got better, and then he died, and it's like, well, <laughs> damn. <laughs> and then she felt bad about it later, which is yeah, great. she stole <laughs> his carbon <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> also, the outfits that they bought at the supermarket that, that was hilarious. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Just like I loved when they were scanning the the. The clothes that they were wearing like that was mm-hmm. really great i also enjoyed the um very diligent camera work to avoid showing kumail nanjiani's abs because they're out of character um, but they're there and we know they're there but they're not they they wouldn't have made sense so they like very strategically they showed him from like the side and then just from like here <laughs> mm-hmm. I found that a kind of amusing. It was nothing it really to do with does, because now he's a, he's a gym rat now. Yeah. He has oh, a bulky other... sweater too, right? Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon me? Say that again? Oh, it's, it, it was like a bulky sweater too. Yeah. 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 It was very much a, like he used to look like a comedian and now he doesn't. And so they're like, how do we get around this and make him look like a comedian again? Or like a documentary filmmaker who look like comedians. <laughs> Fair. What? When they went to the friends party, which their ruse was terrible, but they did their best. Um, like the their friends, not like the sex party. Um, that, that was the other point where I'm like, how do they not get caught? Because I'm like, are they not tracking them going to this person's house? Is them giving the folder? Like, are they now implicated? And then it just was like, oh, it's fine. Um, but like, if they were, then like, damn, they all, that whole party would have gone down. Those poor people. But I do kind of like that they did everything wrong because while it's a little frustrating when it's things that are really obvious, like he's obviously not a police officer. I think the, there's something really relatable and human about like, I would get caught in 10 seconds. Like there was, did you ever see the show hunted? CBS had an American version, but it started in the UK and it was like a, it was a reality show that simulated the idea of like going on the run and it would give their contestants like, I think they had an hour warning, and then they just had to leave. And then there was a team of, like, former law enforcement people and, like, a psychologist, and, like, they assembled a team that would track them down using, like, a, a approximated version of the all the resources that law enforcement would have. <laughs> and so... And it just like, and so many of them, like they caught almost everybody and they got so many of them in like an hour, like so fast. You would not, I wouldn't, no regular person who is not like a criminal mastermind who's planned something and like whatever would be able to actually get away with anything. So you would think, okay, I, well, the car is gone. How do I, I, we need to get somewhere. I'll call a lift. Immediately you get caught. Yeah. Right. They don't have any, human beings don't carry money anymore. So how do you, you so you just use your credit yeah. card. You, don't you, would, you would have to steal another car really. And that's, well, and, and you, you would have to know how to do that. Car. You have to know how to do that. Yeah. You have to, you either have to know how to hotwire or you have to like be the sort of person who can like threaten somebody. And that's not a regular person either. And so like the idea of just folk, being put into this position um whereas in movies usually it's like somebody who secretly has all these crazy talents and stuff um but i like the idea of like you would be hopeless and you would get caught immediately if it happened to you and it's just like the mayor or whoever and his girlfriend or like and like how they also were doing this whole hostage thing 
and they also were not doing it that well. Yes. Anna Camp was great. Oh, Anna Camp. I loved her. Anna Camp. Oh my god. Anna Camp's so fun because she like is not a, she's like an, a character actress who looks like a leading lady and so she <laughs> plays all these like weird wacko sidekicks and villains and things. <laughs> she's so, she's had such a fascinating career of just like this one kind of bit that she does really. <laughs> She was on a TV show with Bradley Whitford this year where she they started a small town choir. It got canceled. <laughs> it was kind of interesting that the the torture that she thought of was bacon grease. I was like, whoa, that is a housewife who's planning some shit. Yeah, because it was like, how, like, when was the bacon cooking? Like, who, like, were they doing it for dinner? Were they gonna have, like, a nice little meal and then go to the sex orgy? Like, <laughs> were they just, like, she's like, okay, I got, like, we gotta torture them, but, look, we also gotta get dinner on the table, sweetie, so we gotta multitask. I don't even what think it was... a pile of bacon before an orgy? That sounds You like could put it on, like, the burgers or something. I don't know. Put it okay. in a salad. Eat a it alone. Bacon is always appropriate, even if you're just eating bacon. That's number one. <laughs> Before number an orgy, Nicole, come on, that's not smart. You always have time for a pile of bacon. Maybe like they, <laughs> they were like, maybe we won't get picked this time because like you're right. Maybe too, yeah, the, too much bacon before an orgy might be bad. I gotta say, this cult is really interesting because like. If you're really into orgies, the probability, numbers-wise, that you get picked is really low, which Fair. leads me to believe that most of the appeal of the group was the watching of the orgy. I think they're mostly but voyeurs, yeah. If you're really into watching orgies, why risk getting picked for the orgy? Why don't you just become a person who watches orgies? <laughs> 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 yeah, there should be like like one one balcony is just for voyeurs and the other balcony is for true or membership tiers. Yeah. <laughs> membership tiers. Like a certain color mask means that you're it's kind of like a, a a stoplight party where if you're green you're single. If you're yellow, you're in some sort of something or other, you're like okay for hooking up. And then if you're oh wait, it's I think it's green, you're good to go. Yellow, I I've never actually been to one, but <laughs> so Maybe if they had like, okay, white mask, down to orgy, black mask, I just want to watch. And then like, I don't know, some other color mask where I might be into like sticking a finger in somewhere. Okay. That and <laughs> no, we have to go back to the orgy really quickly. Only in that it was really funny. Not the actual sex part, but it was really funny because their masks, the two main characters, were the only ones you could really see their eyes, and I get it because, like, we're supposed to see that it's the main characters, but I was, like, they were just handing these masks out at random, but, like, some people had, like, you can't see anything, and her, theirs were, like, yeah, you can see my eyes perfectly clear, and it's, like, like, what tier are you to get, like, the right mask, like, the completely face-covered mask versus the, like, you can kind of still see my face 90%. It's not the middle tier. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be involved in whatever capacity possible. Well, it seemed to be that, like, there were hundreds of people, and they yeah. were eight at every given meeting, which, if you're there to participate in orgies, sounds boring. 
But if you're there to watch, sounds kind of dangerous. I don't know. It didn't. It's also, it's also weird because like not the. How I would structure my <laughs> orgy cult. Is all I'm saying. How would you structure your orgy <laughs> like, cult, Kelly? I'm very. Like, I'm membership <laughs> tiers. Definitely membership tiers. You also yep, wouldn't have. Wouldn't have, have an usher at the at the front door. We have an usher at the front door and a, a mask giver person who can see your face True. and everyone's faces who is entering. Because I'm like, yeah, probably, but like they have dirt on everyone now. So are you like, who are you hiring to do that? See, if I were if I were the leader of a sex orgy cult thing, I don't know whether the, what other kind of orgy you could have other than sex, but bear with me. <laughs> I would probably have you sign up for the membership via some other non-face-showing means, like a subscription package, and then you just get the mask in the mail that's based on whatever tier you've selected. For and sure, mail-order mask. Absolutely. <laughs> well, like Eyes Wide, Shut, Eyes Wide Shut was just wear a mask and know the password. That's all it was. But yeah, it could but be any mask you wanted. It didn't have to be like a cult-specific long yeah. nose on brand mask. Yeah. You could wear your own personal mask. You could show up in like a full head like Reagan mask or something. Wait, Maybe that could work if they were like, hey, you can wear whatever mask you want. But like, if it's black, you're going to have to participate. If it's white, you're going to have to not. Sure, sure. There you go. Wait, two uh, thing out. You choose your own mask and choose your own adventure. Do you think during COVID they still did it over Zoom or is that a little weird? But like in real talk, I my greatest fear, I was like, please don't pick the two main characters. And that's where I thought they were going. Right. And I was like, please, like they're going to get found. Like they should have been found out so quickly when they kept chatting. And I'm like, please don't pick. I don't want to watch the secondhand embarrassment of them trying to weasel their way out of the sex orgy but that like, I don't maybe, actually know is coming yet. Maybe she was into it though. That's why like she was like doing a little dance and excited for it. <laughs> So that's why I'm like, maybe if she got picked, <laughs> she'd be like, um, okay, okay. And then, you know, he might stop well, it or something. That was the like whole that. thing, right? Like it came back to their fight at the beginning of the movie about like how she wanted more of an adventure of sex life. And so in the orgy scene, she was like, are they going to pick more numbers? <laughs> um, Wait, yeah, I like that little detail. She would have had the exhibitionist mask. <laughs> Um, just in terms of, like, New Orleans, I guess. So, like, they lived in an apartment, it seemed like, and their friend that she was like, oh, I'm so jealous of, like, all the pictures you take, I look like a house apartment. And I was gonna say, like, how reasonable, like, price-wise is it that they have houses? Like, it depends on is, the area. Yeah, I was like, is that an obtainable goal? Mm -hmm. Should I yeah. go and get a house? Most, most cities other than New York like upper middle class people all have houses. Nope, sounds false, sounds like a dream. <laughs> it's just it's in like, New York, like everyone has an apartment. <laughs> so it's like a weird, you know. And in New Orleans, property values are a little bit lower than they are like in the Northern states. Mm -hmm. So you probably see an apartment in like mid city, like the Canal Street area. But then once you start getting out to Marini, the Bywater, like the outskirts of it. That's when you start seeing like they're small houses. They're not like gigantic houses. They're they're smaller houses, but yeah, you see a lot of them. 
I was trying to guesstimate how, like, is she just jealous because her friend is, has, like, this great successful relationship, or is her friend, like, a multi-billionaire and has this great successful relationship? I'm sorry. I think it's just a successful relationship. Uh, hashtag New York City person is just over here weeping. Please don't mind me. <laughs> Unless it's, like, on this, along the St. Charles streetcar line, like, in the Garden District, you're not looking <laughs> at multi-million dollar stuff. That's when you start getting into, like, why so much money i like this idea that brie is watching movies to try and assess the real estate of different cities that she could potentially live in i mean i just i just want look so quick sidebar if you've ever seen those like i'm a celebrity and this is my house on like architectural digest like (laughs) jensen ackles and his wife danielle harris has this like massive house in I think Austin, just outside Austin, Austin, Texas. And I'm like, maybe I should move there. Like, I can't afford that house, but I can afford a house. Um, the greatest, if you're into celebrity houses that is like, and you have a, you like a sort of outside the box, not like a Beverly Hill mansion, but like space and woodsiness, highly recommend Aaron Paul's house. I was actually, he's yeah. the second other one. I was like, should I move to Idaho? for that greenery and then I looked at jobs and I was like I think I'll stay where I am at the moment um, yeah girl you work in publishing you live in New York and you, you make no New money York until cool. you die <laughs> <laughs> anyway speaking of lovebirds I have nothing <laughs> well property values in New Orleans <laughs> two well two thumbs up nice um that's good to know if I thought it was a sustainable existence for my family, I would. It's only a, a, a sustainable existence for one of us who still has the Cajun blood. Like, I can go out in humidity and not feel a thing. That is that not the same. fake, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I wear jeans outside in the summertime because I'm like, this isn't bad. Um, so if you're cool with that type of existence, New Orleans all the way. No. I just want to avoid the hurricanes. That's that's also a thing. At all at all costs. I don't want to live in the American South. End of, <laughs> but end of that too. I mean, I don't want to live in America. I don't want to live in the South. I don't want to like just pass. Though New Orleans is maybe the only place in the South I would want to live because they have great music. They do. I mean, Austin's an amazing place. Mm-hmm. I hear that too. <laughs> don't worry steve you and me are gonna go to the bywater and we're gonna get some really good jazz clubs to be great oh, yeah, no, you're going anyway My, the, the artistic I'll be free dir- from america the artistic director of the concert hall that i'm at used to live in new orleans so he knows all of the music people there and brings them here to toronto so uh he's what? why he's bother a, <laughs> exactly he's the son of a famous conductor zubin, oh, nice. zubin Mehta. Ooh. And I'm over here just like I know where all those I know a bunch of cute little jazz spots. Oddly, and that was actually one of the points I liked about this one, kind of going along with the it wasn't in your face New Orleans. They didn't try and shove jazz down your throat. It could have been any city. They just picked mm-hmm. a city in the right. states and were like, cool. It's going to be set here now that we make sure that we do that city right now that we've picked it. But they could have picked any of them. I just kind of think that they 
didn't want it. They wanted it to have the specificity that movies about New York have about New York without it having to be New York. Right. Also, when you get into New York, to, for them to zip around, they could have done it without any, like, money. Like, they could have used a Metro card. But, like, then you get stuck on the subway, and then the police are like, yeah, hi, how are you? <laughs> like, you've been stuck for three hours. We've been waiting for your car to open, also, which is a whole other... The subway isn't going to... Well, yeah, first of all, you, it's hard to stage a, a movie that starts with people getting carjacked about characters from New York. That's not like a thing. It's like, I don't have a happen. car. Sorry. Do you want my Metro card? I'm going to steal your cab. <laughs> oh, no. Um, second, they, yeah, they can't get um, uh, sponsorship dollars from the New York subway like they can from Lyft, which is why no one's taken oh. an Uber in a movie in like 10 years. Because oh, Lyft is like Lyft in their, in their uh, sponsorship. It's always Lyft. Huh. Wait, did you guys ever see that thing? Um, Ryan Johnson broke down his scene in Knives Out about, like, the type of phone that villains aren't allowed to have. <laughs> no, um, that's fascinating. I remember reading something about that, yes. Yeah, I'll, I can spoil it if you want, but, like, it's a really interesting watch because he just breaks down one of the scenes that, like, Chris Evans' character is in. Um, and it kind of, once you realize it, you, you can really easily pick out or like at least narrow down who like the villain in a movie could be. I mean, yeah. that that was, I mean, full spoilers for Knives Out, but like. Oh no, no for like the scene, not for Knives Out. That was a, th- a thing for me going into Knives Out because it had this big celebrity cast, right? And so like, I'm I'm sort of always trying to spot the, spot the um, villain, but without following the clues in the actual movie, because like screenwriting wise, <laughs> You know, I haven't read enough enough Agatha Christie to be able to, like, spot the clues in, like, a mystery-solving way. But what I'm really good at is knowing things like the, the, how Hollywood works kind of stuff. So, like, I knew who was going to die at the end of the Avengers Endgame based on contract knowledge and things like that. And so um, going into Knives Out, I knew it was going to be him because just, like, type of, like, when looking at that ensemble who the most interesting person to choose as your villain is, is him. Because he's got such a wholesome image. You're like, you're choosing, it's like, it tends to be in now, nowadays they tend to go with like a handsome straight white male tends to be your villain because it seems like a twist. Like, it's just this weird, like, yeah, it just, it, I knew it was going to be Chris Evans because he's got this wholesome Mr. Nice Guy sweaters and and dogs and you make him your villain. You just do. <laughs> no, it's if it's Tony Collette or whomever, or like secretly James Bond guy. Like, it, you know, it, it was always going to be Chris Evans. Daniel Craig? I will say. Yeah. So I just actually saw that with someone. And like, as soon as he walks on screen, they're like, oh, it's him. And I'm like, motherfucking you. Can you not? <laughs> um, but no, the, the thing is that the type, yeah, I already said it. But like, if you have an iPhone, you're not allowed to be a villain. So... Which, that's interesting. There's something yeah. with cars with that too. There's car companies. Oh, interesting. That like heroes drive Toyotas. <laughs> <or something. laughs> then that's, who is the hero in Ford versus Ferrari? No one. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. that movie. Oh, I just that saw movie, that. That's another one of those ones where like it's so structurally perfect that they end up spoiling their own ending. 
you know, like they plant something really beautifully. And so you, once it's planted, you're yeah, like, was, oh, that'll come too, back. It was too contrived. Yeah. 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 It was just too, too perfectly placed. And um, I liked, I talk all the time about the fact that yes, dramatic principles are important. And if you Chekhov's gun, if you put a, a gun in act one, it has to go off by act three. But the whole thing about Chekhov's gun is that there's a gun in act one of the cherry orchard that never goes off because dramatic principles are meant to be broken. Yeah. Beautiful. The waiting, only way that waiting for Godot <laughs> is all about that. But the fact that he never shows. Well, no, the whole idea of uh, knowing the structure of theater and completely like turning it on its head in some ways. And like somehow it's absurd. Tiny, right? tiny little bit related. I saw Tenet last night. Oh. And I hated the hell out of it. <laughs> Oof, despised I it. People didn't like it. It's the worst thing he's ever made. It, I hate, well, no, that's not true because Interstellar is so bad and Dark Knight Rises is so bad. But like, this was so bad. But one of the things in it is that the main character, the Denzel Washington's kid, who that annoys me too. Like, just because someone's father is a once in a generation charisma ma machine does not mean that it's genetic. And this man is so boring. And why is he famous? <laughs> And it, he just drives me crazy. He gets he gets outperformed by everyone who's ever been in a movie with him. Anyway, he the whole movie says it like three times. He talks about how he's the protagonist of the story, and I'm just like, you no, theoretically you're a human, right? Like you're a person who doesn't know you're in a movie. Stop <laughs> it! It drove me crazy. Wait, with that, will left feel real hard in video games. Only in that in Final Fantasy X. The character you play, he is the protagonist, and they keep telling you that you are the, this is your story. And there gets to a part at the end where he's like, this is my story, I want to do this. And the actual main character, whose plot we're following, not like through the avatar of the game, is like, what? No, this is actually my story. What are you, like, be quiet. And it was like, at 12, I was like, yeah, girl, and at whatever age I am now, eternally three million, I'm like, yeah, girl, because, shut up, dude. Like... <laughs> You know, if you have to announce that you are the protagonist, just go sit in a corner and feel good about yourself. Right. Also, the whole point of, like, life, like, one of the biggest things about becoming an adult and starting to understand the world is the knowledge that every single other person is also a protagonist because <laughs> everyone has their own story. So this doofus just going through the thing saying to Robert Pattinson, but I'm the protagonist. Like, fuck off. No, you're not. You're the protagonist in your story, and Robert Pattinson is the protagonist in his story, and Elizabeth Debicki is the protagonist in her story, and onward and for so forth. Jesus. <laughs> Wait, did you say tenant in a theater? Yes, a, I did. A, a theater is open in Canada. Can I go there? Can I be free? How, how is the like limited capacity? The it's it's stressful to be honest. Like it's okay. not. Yeah, I would. I, I don't know. It's not my favorite. It's still a little bit like bang for your buck in terms of what's actually playing right now and like worth the stress I would not say but um it's fine they've got enough because they've only got like four movies playing at a time so they've got them in lots of theaters so that they don't sell um and then they've got like the closest people to like the close you have to book in advance and all the seats are reserved and so the closest people to us were two rows in front of us and like a set of seats over mm. So they weren't that close. 
you can take your mask off once you're in your seat, but that's entirely so that they can sell concessions. I don't think really they should have us with our masks off yeah. because the air isn't circulating or that, or any air that is circulating is being recycled among the same, you know, there's no windows or anything, but um, it's so they can sell those concessions. I don't know. I will see. I had a cough today. So now I'm in my head about, right. I went to the movies and now I'm going to die. So we'll Especially see. Going back to lovebirds, I almost called it something else. Um, since Kelly, you saw both uh, this and Issa Rae's other movie that came out this year. A photograph, which wasn't yes. that good, but I don't think any romance movie. I was just going to say, which one did you like her better in? And like, it, were they just so completely different that like, it didn't really, there's not really an easy way to compare them? I mean, she is one of the most charming people on the planet, and she's sort of consistently charming. Um, I think probably this one is a little bit better. I remember finding the photograph kind of boring. Um, and she also, opposite Camille Nanjiani, she's sort of, sort of evenly matched, maybe even a little bit more charming than her, than him. But look, he's Stanfield. So like, I, there's nothing to be done. It's like, there is no one who can play opposite him and, and like make him less interesting than they are. So um, yeah, and also this one, like that's not a comedy. Like it's got a yeah. little bit of that sort of like flirty, we're like telling a joke here and there, kind of like the way that they put two jokes in every romance movie. But it was a romance movie, whereas this, like she was able to banter, she was a lot quicker. She was like, I would say this is a better showcase for her um though that movie is also mostly just like real good looking like it's just a really pretty movie with lots of like swoony scenes of like slow dancing to jazz and just like you know <laughs> depending on your mood the photograph might be exactly what you ordered but if you're looking for like romancing Lakeith Stanfield weirdly the actual best is his character in Bojack Horseman, <laughs> where he just plays like the world's most perfect boyfriend, who I believe is a bison. Yeah, I didn't realize he was in Bojack. I'm only like halfway through, and then I watched it in the beginning of quarantine. I got real sad, and I had to stop. That's a really tough quarantine watch. I would say I would not. Yeah, yeah um, everyone comes in. in uh, how many seasons are there? Five. He comes in like the second last okay. season. Okay. But he's one of those characters, and this happens in BoJack all the time, where you listen and you're like, I definitely know you, and then you have to check who it is because you're not 100%. Um, but I think he plays a, like a bison or an American buffalo or, I don't know, some big, some big guy. Looks like the beast. <laughs> anyway, well, this movie, anyway. <laughs> like, he's just... not in this movie. <laughs> I just always love in movies that are about like I don't know normal everyday people doing things. There's always a secret society, or there's demons, or there's like that's that's my crack cocaine. Just get me some random ass. Like, wait, what's behind the curtain? Oh, it's like people summoning satans. Yes, that's, yeah. so when that showed up and then it became an orgy, I'm like, that's weird. But like, all the masks showed up, and I'm like, yes, are they summoning Satan right now? No, they're not, but, like, whatever. It's a secret society. I like this. I did think the same thing, Brie. <laughs> I did think, y'all about to practice some voodoo, is what I immediately <laughs> thought. 
and then there was no voodoo and there was a lot of confusion <laughs> and i was like oh not what i thought <laughs> but again i don't think it was written explicitly to be in new orleans no i i honestly think it had some i think it was one of those like new orleans has less taxes on filmmaking than a lot of other cities in the united states Mm. So my theory was it literally could have just been in whatever city. It's just that they ended up filming in New Orleans because of the tax breaks. But then they spe specified, they like made, I saw on um, America's Test Kitchen, they did, a, the, they did a thing about that cake that they have at, I think, Mardi Gras, the like colorful cake. cake. There's a baby in it. Yep, king cake. Yeah. So they had one of those at the dinner party, and I was very impressed with that little detail. Uh, it did not feel like it was written to be in New Orleans, but once they decided, they didn't just use it as a random right. place mm -hmm. to be, you know, any city New York or any city America. It was New right. York. This movie's in New Orleans, which was. I nice. mean, and that tracked because they do have King Cake at Mardi Gras. There you go. Was it Mardi Gras? They didn't actually specify if it was Mardi Gras, though. I think a couple in the back that were making out with the Mardi Gras beads. Oh, but, yeah. right. Also, you don't go, like, why do a movie in New Orleans if it's not Mardi Gras? <laughs> but also, I knew, I, the reason I had difficulty remembering whether or not it actually was Mardi Gras in the movie is because you would know. There is no way you would be able to have your super secret sex cult thing <laughs> if it was no, Mardi Gras. Scheduling-wise, why would you put it in the middle of Mardi Gras? Exactly. <laughs> But also, there are so many parades, and so many of them are occurring at night, that A, you'd already see the barricades everywhere. They would have been up for at least three weeks, because Mardi Gras parades are like three weeks before actual Mardi Gras. And then there's like, on certain days, there's like three or four parades per day. But so, if you we've could probably already established... just have an orgy there on the street. If we've established anything in this conversation, though, it's that the orgy people are not actually great planners. Like, there were lots of better ways for them to structure their orgy cult. So the fact that they scheduled it during Mardi Gras when that's not a wise time to schedule it, like, really does track. But to speak to the, the plans that they did properly lay, they did have an escape hatch for figuring out who the imposters were. And that, in my opinion, is a very important aspect of running a super secret sex cult. I also got the hell out of that building so so quickly. Yeah. I was like, how did you slide out of the rows that they fast? Knew, they knew where all the fire exits were. <laughs> and also and there why were a lot of fire exits. <laughs> and then there were a lot of police officers who weren't surrounding the building. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to go inside and surround the sex cult. Yeah. They had to they're they're interested. <laughs> They actually just changed into police officers. That's <laughs> I mean, oh, that's actually happy. probably what happened is that <laughs> the police officers in the sex cult just went and changed real quick and then re-entered the same, through the same door that they exited. Because <laughs> wasn't Brett Anna Camp's husband supposed to be like a, a senator yeah. or a, a congressman? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, it it's not far off to believe that some of the members of the super secret sex cult were police officers if someone in <laughs> Congress is a member. 
I just really appreciate that with this movie, with such comedic talent, and that, like, the main focus has truly just been the inner workings and the logistics of the sex cult, which maybe had, like, ten minutes of screen time, but, like, (laughs) the more you dive into it, the more you're just, like, who set it up? Who put the apps on the phones? How, who's paying for this? Who booked the, like, it's... Like, who booked the space? (laughs) And how do you book the space? Do you book the space and say, like, Hey, I really need an orgy. Can I please book your space so that like seven (laughs) people can have sex in front of a whole bunch of other people? See, it's because it's all, it's all a bunch of rich people and rich people own a lot of these places. So so it's just one, they have one contact who has a place. That's all it is. Do like the new members have to clean after or something? (laughs) The ushers. Something like that. And is the sex cult in the same place every time, or do they travel? Because if they travel, then maybe everyone has their turn to host the sex cult. Mm. And then whose job is it to clean? Is it their job? That was on a TV show I saw recently. You just hire people. One of the things, in order to be a member of the sex club... You ha- I think it was I think it was Prodigal Son. I think it was an episode of Prodigal Son where in order to be a member of the sex club, you had to contribute a space in which some members of the sex club, not necessarily you and your sex club partner, but other members could meet. So this woman was in the sex club and she was ha- off having sex with like specific partners offered to her by the sex club in other people's apartments while her apartment was playing host to two other random members of the sex club and it was like a like a rotation system but you had to bring something to the table when you joined I'm the sex macaroni club. and cheese <laughs> because that's all i got here <laughs> like if my membership is predicated upon bringing something to the table all i've got is like really good mac and cheese macaroni in a pot as the quote is yeah (laughs) but like i'm I'm just and then i'm I'm wondering like how deep anna camp is in all of this nonsense like how long has she been a member of the of the secret sex cult because she knows how to torture people like she knows question if both her and her husband are in the sex cult did they meet at the sex cult or did one of them, they were like married and one of them pitched, hey, do you want to join a sex cult? I would be, I would think that it was actually the latter because Anna Camp's character is real strange as far as the things that she knows. And like, first of all, you have to be pretty damn in the weeds to know that bacon grease would stick to people and cause burns that are more hardcore than like any other kind of burn because it's so hard to get a grease fire out. So she's al- she already knows some shit. It is, it is my opinion that she is the one who went, yo, have I got an idea for you. Oh, and poor, poor Kyle Bornheimer, the co- congressman was like, okay. Yeah, I absolutely believe that this this whole marriage was the Anna Camp show. All right, a hundred percent. Is there a Facebook group for the sex cult? Like, how do you get new? <laughs> it's just like out of all the things in the movie, I completely enjoyed. I'm just like, I'm gonna go to bed tonight and wake up and be like, do they pay dues to the sex cult? <laughs> they definitely I, pay dues, yes. but they also yes. definitely 
Um, it's definitely like a referral system. Yes. Mm -hmm. like you have to be sponsored by a previous member. That's yeah. how country clubs work too, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, previous members sponsor you to get into the sex club. And, and that's how Anna Camp a secret, a secret like coded texting thing. That's how I'm, I'm fairly certain that Anna Camp basically went to congressmen and went, yo, I have an idea that will really spice up some stuff. Get on the shit because you're the one whose name has congressmen in front of it. And boy, would they love to have you. I think this is how this is done. Because I don't know if she has the clout to get in on her own. That has never been established. I'm sure she has a wonderful identity outside of being Congressman's wife. But it's never established. So I think they could not have met at the sex cult club because we don't have the background to indicate that she would have had her own merits for being in the sex cult club. Right. She needs more backstory. Quickly stepping back from the sex cult club for a second, um, I just remembered, I really, like, the entire movie, he talks about his documentary and how he doesn't want to show her because, like, I don't know, it's terrifying showing something that you're creative on, being, you're creating and, like, having them critique it, especially if it's not finished. And is that, oh, I thought it was bacon. And I'm like, no wonder she's so happy about <laughs> bacon. Um, but no, just the fact that, like, her big, like, um like apology at the end was like i already watched your documentary it was really good that like people who are like super successful at what they do or like other people see you as super successful can like still feel like super inadequate anyway the fees for the sex club um <laughs> one documentary you know but that was that was a legit really interesting like even though the the supporting cast didn't wasn't very well developed or anything not that they needed to be like they weren't the focus um but that little detail of the scene where they're talking to their friends and like keith i think his name was was like yeah she like talks about you all the time and then the other woman was like um yeah my life is not perfect stop comparing yourself to me and then that i mean it was like a little bit simplistic and a little bit mm -hmm. icky, like a little convenient but it was also like helpful and I enjoyed that sort of like sometimes you just need to step back and like see something that you for whatever reasons mostly your own insecurities were unable to see um little things like that had a lot of sort of like not necessarily the most sophisticated but really relatable baseline human mm -hmm. things that right. weren't about like hey, cop chases and sex cults and la 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 it was just like oh no it's hard to be a person yeah I don't also, think like, it needed to be sophisticated. Yeah. Because sometimes also, humanity well, isn't. Yeah. It's also what made it a uh, romantic comedy because uh, most of their dialogue had to do with their relationship. And that wouldn't have happened. I mean, it would have happened in a cop, a, a cop duo thing, but it wouldn't have been a relationship thing. It would have been a friendship thing. Yeah, it was one of, it was like a, because this is such a genre, right? The like, it, you know, things go terribly awry, like date night or whatever, where things sort of get out of hand. Um, but because this had the additional, like, relationship falling apart angle, um, that was kind of interesting. And I really like at the end when the, the police are watching them through the two-way mirror and it's like, I really hope they don't break up. <laughs> At least get back together. I knew that someone was watching them too. I knew it. <laughs> 
<laughs> or even when like he's choking the dude he's like you guys are like my parents god shut up and i'm like oh, it's like I, I i i think that that all the anytime i have like a personal conversation out in the world that does pass across my mind the like there's a person listening to us who's just (laughs) I hope they make it or whatever um one of my favorite things I've ever seen on Twitter was a Blue Jays pitcher named Ron Axford was in the bullpen and he and he tweeted out to the couple who just broke up just above the bullpen tonight (laughs) we were listening the whole time and we think we could offer you some really helpful advice if you just want to get in touch we're rooting for you oh my god the whole bullpen was just listening to this breakup (laughs) happen in the middle of the game (laughs) I really love that. Yeah, it was adorable. We think we could offer you some necessary advice. Just like hit us up. <laughs> There's like ball players. I also like how that is more entertaining than the game. Shh, no, we don't <laughs> baseball. Stop it. Yeah, don't you do that to her Blue Jays. Steven no, villain. I, I love Blue Jays. I've been, I like going to the Blue Jays, but I end up never watching the game. Shocker. Weird. No, but it's it's weird. Like you end up talking to people, and then there's like balls being thrown at you, and you're like, "Oh yeah, there's a game happening." Also happened in the Lovebirds. Zing. Yes. Bree's <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there looking at me like, "This girl needs to be." Stopped. Well, no, I was like, I got it, and I was like, wait, and then my brain just like went off. So <laughs> I broke Bree. Oh no. Okay, well it's been an hour. Does anything anyone have anything else to say about the Orgy Club? <laughs> or the movie that it exists in? I thought the firework scene in the car was great. It was cute. Yes. That was cute. I really love the opening. It just set like a really lovely relationship, especially since I kind of anticipated they were gonna fight, but it was just so nice and so sweet. And I was like, this is all gonna fall apart, but like for five minutes we'll be happy. Yeah, it was a very well-written, like, lovely rom-com for the first, like, the first two or three scenes until they got in the car. I didn't necessarily, like, you can sort of tell from the poster that it is going to be one of those, like, one crazy night movies, Um, but I didn't necessarily know what it was going to be or, like, what the tone was, and so going in, I, like, I saw those first couple scenes, and I was like, oh, it's, like, just a really nice sort of bantery, genuinely romantic rom-com with two, like, very charming people who have really good chemistry. Yay! Um, I actually, you know me, I would have preferred that movie, because at a certain point, I'm just kind of, like, okay, with the action sequence and the blue blop and the plot, plot, plotty plot. <laughs> you know, I don't really care. Have you found words? <laughs> I don't need words. Words are Sounds and sentiments. Ah, uh, okay. okay. We just gonna make them up over here. Anyone have anything else to say so we don't end on bloop blop bloody dot plot plot? If I ever wanted to build a sex club, thank you guys so much for all the details that would help me begin it. I got you. Yeah, we're here to guide you anytime. I'll be the stage manager. <laughs> of the orgy? I just put on the lights, right? He's going to choreograph the orgy. He's at least going to do a lighting design. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. Hey, that's important for naked bodies. Always. <laughs> I think on that, I think we can call it a day. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>
See you guys next time. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.